today here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here today with Mike Ruhlman. Thanks for joining us, Mike. Oh, it's always fun to see you. Before we get started, let me tell everyone about a couple of things that are coming up here at Sandler. We have the new program called Thriving with Stress, which is going to be a four-week program taught on Friday mornings. And we're doing a preview session next Monday, the 28th of April, from uh, 8 to 9 a.m. with Frank Wood. And that program is designed to make people better at dealing with the instantaneous stress that can be applied to them. Uh, we do have a couple of shows with Frank Wood on the air, and if you want to find out more about Thriving with Stress, you can listen to one of the previous shows, or you can uh, show up on Monday morning at 8 o'clock. Expect to have a big group. Um, next program's coming up. Next week, we have Sue McParton. She's the managing partner for PwC, used to be called PricewaterhouseCoopers. Uh, they're a accounting, consulting, uh, tax practice firm here in town. Uh, week after that, we're going to have Jeff Silich from Thermal Tech Engineering. Uh, then we're going to have Ellie Reiser from Sipsy uh, Klein, I believe. She's going to talk about the dynamic real estate market here in Cincinnati. And then we're going to have uh, a whole lot of other interesting folks over the next couple of months. Let's see, from a Sandler calendar perspective, uh, there's still time to uh, sign up for the next cold call camp. And uh, if you're having trouble getting referrals and introductions, uh, that program uh, comes up on May Monday, May 5th. That's uh, called Inner Circle, Outer Circle. Let's see. Then we have the uh, Clovernook Country Club programs called the Business Builder Series. Uh, this is going to be the last of the Clovernook Country Club series in, in this time frame. It's, co- it's called Fearless Sellings. What, what would you do in sales if you had no fear? Fear is one of those things that hold people back. And if you had absolutely no fear in sales, how would that affect your life and, and your sales? Uh, in June, we're going to start a new series in the Business Builder series over at uh, Still Meadow Country Club. It used to be called Royal Oak. It's on the east side of town. Let's see. Mike, why don't you uh, share with our listeners uh, your background and experience since you went to college? You, got, you went to college at? I went to the University of Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I actually graduated with a programming degree. 
So I was one of those guys in the back corner that was staring at his monitor all day long, programming, programming. Those were the days when you had an O Fortran. Yeah, Fortran, C, and uh, I did a lot of DBase and Fox Pro back in those days. Okay. Uh, and when you got out of college, where did you work? I worked at IT Corporation. Um, it was PEI Associates. They'd just been purchased at the time, mm -hmm. yeah, but they, all the changes hadn't come through. So I worked there as my first job uh, four, four and a half years out of college mm -hmm. as a programmer in the programming group. And then? Uh, well, it was the programming group's responsibility to maintain the computer network. Mm -hmm. And based upon the time frame, uh, the early 90s, I recognized that uh, programmers were brought in and then they were kicked out of companies. So one of the things I realized by looking at the environment was that I may not have a job forever. Mm -hmm. And there were different layoffs at different times at different companies. I survived all the layoffs. I decided to take things under my own or take the bull by the horns and go make it happen myself versus letting somebody else make it happen to me. So is that when you decided to form uh, M2R? Yeah, we started um, M2R, or I started M2R back in 1994. It was under a different name, but uh, that's when I started the structure of, of where we're at today. Mm -hmm. Why don't you share with our audience the, uh, the types of IT work that your company now engages in? Yeah, what we do is we do everything at the PC level, but our focus is really at the network level. Every computer network is made up of, you know, 1, 10,000 PCs, uh, 1, 12, 52, 75 offices, you know, and then any number of servers, and uh, as well as firewalls, Internet connections. Our focus is at the network level, not at the PC level. So the best thing we do is we come in and, and enhance an existing IT group. Uh, for example, we do uh, security work at the Cincinnati Zoo, maintain their firewall, make changes that the IT director, Dave Schneider, uh, you know, can't get to, and he calls us to handle things he can't get to, or he doesn't know. And nobody knows everything in this industry. It's been changing as we've been talking today. Yeah, too many things change uh, all too frequently. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's SQL servers, there's uh, Exchange servers, there's uh, firewalls, there's... Uh, Linux servers, There's you know, how is the phone system going to operate on this network? Uh, we have to do VLAN it and make the changes over here and all the routing. You know, it's all the fun stuff, I'm going to call it, because mm -hmm. you know, working on a PC is okay. I mean, we have people to do that stuff, but uh, the funner projects are at the higher level, at the network level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's the ideal uh, project for M2R? Oh, putting in a two or three hundred user exchange server, uh, upgrading a firewall, connecting fifty-five offices into one uh, large infrastructure, so that all the point of sale at the end, um, you know, cust the end user locations can all connect in and get all their data, and doing switchovers from you know the old way of doing networking to like the new way of. No, that's not that it's a new way, but the environment's changing every day. I mean, there's new viruses that come out you know, that we have to protect against. And mm -hmm. prevention is one of those things you got to do. Okay. Uh, let's talk for a minute about uh, firewalls. And uh, most people might be familiar with firewalls in buildings where it's a cement wall where nothing oh, really, can get the, through. The easier uh, comparison is the firewall in a car. If the engine catches on fire, they have the firewall between the passenger compartment and the engine compartment. So that's one of the basics from where the term came from. Mm -hmm. But the logic and how you're protecting one side from the other 
of you know whatever can happen on one side, you're protecting the other. That's how that came into being in uh, sharing of Internet connections well, and well, firewalls, right. as well as firewalls on your PC. Uh, as you know, I recently had a fire in my car. Yeah, I remember that. It, it, it was between the uh, Mercedes and that model had two firewalls in the engine compartment. The fire was in between the, the two firewalls, and the smoke still managed to come into the car. It's not waterproof? <laughs> no. Oh, it, it might might have been waterproof, but it, it certainly wasn't smokeproof. Uh, so how does a firewall work in an IT environment? Well, um, one of the things that happens out there is that a lot of IT people don't program or know how to program all the settings on a firewall. And how does a firewall work? The best practice is, is to block every port in every direction. Now, you might say, what's a port? Well, mm -hmm. email traffic goes out and comes in on port 25. So is a port like a hole through the firewall? Yes, it is a hole through the firewall. Say your uh, house is a unique has a unique address, mm -hmm. and you have all the different windows. Each one of those can be assigned a port number, mm -hmm. for example. And we all lock our houses when we leave because mm -hmm. we don't want just to give everything away. Sure. So on a firewall for a computer network, you want every hole or every port blocked in both directions. And if you have to open the garage door to either let a car out or let a car in, you have to do it in a secure fashion. And so a firewall, a lot of times, uh, a basic firewall like for a residential, will let all traffic outward, but will let no traffic inward. But in a company standpoint, you don't want your data to go out when it shouldn't be going out, if you don't know it's going out. Credit card numbers, and it's a uh, federal regulation with PCIDSS, which is the Credit Card Protection Act. That's a that's one of those important regulations that anyone who accepts credit cards has to do things electronically certain ways. So you have to be able to block each port, as well as when you're allowing traffic through, you want to use what's called a proxy server, and that actually opens the envelope and looks at the packet coming in. So and making that comparison on mail, for example, if I want to send an email to you, Mike, I would mm -hmm. go to my computer and send an email. But how does it get to you? What happens? When it goes through a proxy server, I'm walking down the driveway and putting it in the mailbox and closing the mailbox, putting the flag up, and then going back inside. And then two hours later, I want to go retrieve mail, you know, the reply that you're going to send me. So I walk down my driveway, and I actually I open the mailbox, and I look at the envelope, and I open it up and look inside. Is it mail? Yes. All right, then I'll, I'll take it up to the house. But if it is not mail, and it's some um, payload that is trying to do something bad that, you know, the Internet is dynamic, it updates itself almost automatically, then it, it blocks it. And so that's how a proxy server works. Even when you have the garage door opening, you have a code that the garage door opener's coded with. And then you lock your car so you don't lose your garage door opener so you can open the garage door when you get home. And that's a, the basic comparisons for the you know non-IT person, the non-propeller head. Should, should every company have a proxy server? The... Every company that has data that's important um, should have the, each of the different holes in their firewall or, you know, the sharing of that con or that connection should be set to look at the envelopes. The scale is just different. Uh, I'll, I'll throw out Procter & Gamble, for example, or, um, you know, the, the Cincinnati Zoo, is, as which we work on their stuff. The scale is the same for a one-computer company with their data and their accounting software, whatever, for, you know, their billing and all that to the scale of thousands of computers. The scale is, is different, but the, the, the thing is the same. The problem is the same. You have to keep the bad out and keep the good in. 
And one of the other things, which is a piece of the package, is antivirus software. A lot of times, the default setting does not scan flash drives, is, is one of the examples I can think of right now. So you have to go and make sure you have all the settings so that when someone walks a flash drive in their company, mm-hmm. or you know, one of their employees, as an example, brings in a flash drive, they plug it in, that is being scanned for viruses because it just walked right past your firewall and went past the electronic security. So you have to turn on all the settings. Well, not all the settings, but you need to turn on to, to stay as secure as the company allows. So it so needs to be either federally regulated ah, or... So flash drives and memory cards are uh, something that has to be scanned. What about uh, software that can come in on a, a DVD or a CD that someone brings to work? Yeah, it's the same, it's the same issue. I mean, even phones. Now, is the proxy server doing that, or is it done by the... The proxy server on the firewall, getting back to that, mm-hmm. only monitors the traffic coming in and out of the firewall. Mm-hmm. You have to have other pieces in place for that one network that every company has to you know, protect the data from coming in or the bad stuff from coming in, as well as data going out. Now, like, the bad stuff coming in, I thought that would be blocked by the firewall itself uh, or by the... Uh, antivirus software in the host computer, the the mail server. Yeah, but let me give you an example. Sure. What's the encryption code for your wireless? Here? Yeah. Well, Don't say it because we're on the radio. Right, there are two. But say you gave it to me. And two, that's correct. One is probably for guests and customers, and one is for the internal network. Mm -hmm. That's a correct setup. Um, And you have the, the, the two networks segmented, so one cannot get to the other. That's true. Okay. So that's an important know, piece of the puzzle. That's the guest. Oh, I don't. Need, I don't need it. I, okay. You're writing it down. <laughs> I don't need it right now. Well, it's on the training board at the front of the room. But the example I was getting to is um, a salesman, mm-hmm. as an example, yes. who works off his laptop, right? And he's out in Kansas, and he uses the wireless in a hotel on his laptop. Sure. He's also got a cell phone with uh, 3G, 4G, and Wi-Fi access on his cell phone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, the IT person will set up his laptop to access the company Wi-Fi when he's in the office. Correct. But if he's out in Kansas without mm-hmm. his machine being protected because it's out physically outside the network, plugged into a random hotel network. It's, it's in the wild. Right, in the wild. Okay, that's the right term. And as well as his cell phone's doing the same thing, presumably. Well, the so cell phone's he, on the cell phone network. Right, but they also have data access. Wi-Fi access. Right. Mm-hmm. Like my phone is set to switch to the Wi-Fi on the networks that I'm allowed to be on, and I can actually cruise around a neighborhood or a company or you know anywhere and see what wireless networks are unencrypted. Mm-hmm. With that, then the salesman takes the code that was put into his laptop and puts it on his cell phone. Well, mm-hmm. did IT know he did that? No, but he was given the code so he could use his laptop on the company network. Mm-hmm. So then he gets something bad on his phone, and then he goes to the to the main office. He's bypassed the firewall, bypassed the proxy server, and you have to still protect against those type of threats. How do you do that? Uh, that's one of the re- ways you segment the networks internally. You have all cell phones on this VLAN, virtual mm-hmm. LAN. You have uh, IP phones and the IP or the phone system. It doesn't have to be a voice over IP system. You have those on uh, their own network as well. And all the iPads people bring in to read at lunch, mm-hmm. you know, those are segmented off, probably, you know, usually with the phone system, or the, I'm sorry, the fo- cell phone network. And you only allow internally clients who are allowed to go over. Good. We're going to take a uh, commercial break here, uh, Mike, and uh, you've agreed to 
answer questions. If anyone calls in, the call-in number is, as always, 646-595-4916. We're going to listen to uh, Jimmy Fox talk about Tip Club. The next Tip Club meeting is May 17th. That's Thursday morning from 7.30 to 9 a.m. for the best networking meeting in Cincinnati. Hi, I'm Jimmy Fox of Tip Club. Tip Club is a professional networking organization whose members help each other succeed. We meet once per month and provide a forum where business-to-business professionals are able to connect with more desirable opportunities and build long-term strategic partnerships. I'm inviting Cincinnati Business Talk listeners to come to our free networking event. You'll have the opportunity to meet new people, share leads and referrals, and grow your business through strategic alliances. Membership in our Cincinnati group is open to only one person per specific trade or occupation. Business-to-business professionals only, please. We do not accept multi-level marketing or recruiting-driven memberships. This is our only group in Cincinnati. We'll meet on the third Thursday of the month from 7.30 to 9 a.m. at Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, 4357 Ferguson Drive, Cincinnati, Ohio. To reserve a seat, please go to www.tipclub.com and click on the Events tab at the top of the page. Then, just scroll down the list until you come to the Cincinnati event. Or you may call 800-798-0270. That's 1-800-798-0270. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you at our next networking event. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Mike Rollman. Uh, Mike, the Internet is a uh, almost a mandatory requirement for every uh, network and user uh, around the world. It's one of the tools of business. It's one of the tools of life nowadays. Mm-hmm. And uh, what do you think the, the, the major difference is between a Microsoft-provided firewall, which they provide with their operating systems, and a freestanding box? Oh, I could have a field day on that one, Mike. Um, Microsoft, at times, will rush to get things out on their schedule. And I prefer a multi-vendor approach to security and, and other, other, um, other ways to solve IT problems. Putting all your eggs in one basket will leave you at that, you know, flawed because you're only getting one opinion. So, you know, linking it with firewalls and back to Microsoft, you have your server operating systems with Microsoft, you have your workstation operating systems, you have the little Windows firewall that you can program mm-hmm. on and off on the servers as well as the workstations. You want to have a second opinion because there's always patches coming out every week for vulnerabilities. And it's actually quite funny to me, it's kind of backwards, that it has to. they post on the Internet that here's the flaw in our software that we found, and here, download the patch to fix it. Mm-hmm. So everyone who is right, whoever the people who are writing the malware, the grayware, the uh, uh, spiruses, all these things that are trying to get the keyloggers to get information that they shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Microsoft saying, "Here's the hole in our software. 
here, go exploit it. Oh, <laughs> because not everybody updates their PCs every day. Okay, so the virus writers read the Microsoft to figure out where. Right. I mean, we've transitioned from the Bronze Age, the Stone Age. We're in the Information Age now. Mm -hmm. And, the you know, the Internet and, and are tools of business, but they have to help the bottom line, not hinder the bottom line. So, so there, there are a lot of users who uh, are still using Microsoft XP. Uh, I was told that uh, one of the ways to safely continue to use XP is simply disconnected from the Internet. Does that seem like a viable solution to you? Viable? No. Because you have, if the machine you've been using it to connect to the Internet for other reasons, mm -hmm. then you have to keep using it. You have to put other uh, procedures in place, other monitoring software, other firewall protections, um, but like Y2K. Did anything explode on April 8th or 9th? Remember uh, the government? January 1st, wasn't it? January 1st, 2000. A few things did. A few things. A few people told yeah. me about the problems they had. But, but most of them had no problems because they had taken precautions or rewritten software or changed vendors, changed software completely. Which is what a lot of, of companies have done. They've finally upgraded uh, a lot of them to Windows 7 or Windows 8 or, or you know, gone some Linux directions. I was talking to uh, the service technicians over at the Mercedes-Benz uh, this week, and they were telling me that half of their diagnostic equipment for the cars runs on XP. Cool. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, that means they'll probably continue to use it. They'll probably continue to use the Mitchell One software, which I've run into at some of you know my clients in the past mm -hmm. uh, uh, for parts ordering and, and et cetera, and parts lookup. People are still going to use it because mm -hmm. not everybody is going to just shell out more money to upgrade. I mean, I've got a toaster in my house that's what 12, 14 years old. It's not you know going to burn the house down, I don't think, but it's also not going to let my data out or do anything you know that negatively. Mm -hmm. So you think users are, are safe in continuing to use uh, Windows XP? I don't think they're necessarily safe. I'm just irritated at the buggy product that has the myriad of patches that are loaded out every week for it. And now they're finally saying, I'm going to stop supporting it, so they're not going to load any more patches. The machine will still work until it gets infected with something. Now, is that through a direct connection to the Internet or something on the inside of a network? Um, I don't know, but I'm not really too concerned. I mean, I'm concerned, but I'm not too concerned. I'm not going to go, you know, tell everybody to upgrade this second unless they have a, some other reason that they have to use XP, which there are a couple of companies out there. They don't want to spend, uh, you know, $10,000 on a new program. This is a true story. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Uh, they won't spend $10,000 on a new piece of software that will run under Windows 7. Mm -hmm. They don't have it to spend, so they have to continue on using XP. I see. You know, there are some of those instances still out there. Mm -hmm. You just have to be more careful. Okay. We're supposed to talk today about uh, two two really big topics. Uh, oh, by the way, if people want to talk to you after the show is over, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, Mike at m2rtech.com, m2rtech.com. They can call the office at 513-239-8100. Um, Check us out on the web at www.m2rtech.com. Um, well, there's a myriad of ways. You call Mike Roth, and he'll he'll let you know how to get a hold of me if uh, he, his number comes up first. Yeah, only call the call-in number during the show. I see. At 646-595-4916. 
for the other 38 or 39 hours a week, that number is not answered. <laughs> so, well, I'm not going to answer smoke signals, but yeah, if you're, if, you're, <laughs> if you're calling and you have a question for Mike or me, that's the number between four and five on Friday afternoon at two o'clock on Friday. No one answers the call, so don't be alarmed. Uh, from an antivirus perspective. Uh, there are many vendors out there for antivirus software from free like uh, ABG to expensive. Microsoft even has a free product. Uh, I think that was discontinued. But yeah, it was a discontinued product. It was at Windows Defender. Um, that and uh, Microsoft Security Essentials. Mm -hmm. it, uh, it's not on my high list of, of things that do any good. Mm -hmm. It's more irritating than anything else. Right. So what do you recommend to your clients today for an antivirus software? Uh, we've actually switched a lot of companies from Symantec, which was a good big player in the old days, mm -hmm. um, to uh, mainly AVG. Uh, there's a business version of AVG. There's also the free version of AVG. Mm -hmm. um, the business version of AVG, the, the management console, is so much simpler than the um, a, a lot of the other antivirus management consoles. And, and what I mean by that is all the machines in a company – you walk into a company, do you go to every machine and check the antivirus, physically go to every machine? Well, when there are hundreds of thousands of machines, Mike, it's impossible. Right. What does Procter & Gamble do? Right. There's somebody sitting behind a desk looking at what looks like a spreadsheet showing him the current status of antivirus because all the machines in his environment or his domain are reporting back the information from the antivirus software. Mm -hmm. So you can quickly shut things down, quickly modify, see, oh, all those things look bad. Oh, we're getting hit over there. Click. And they can change and keep their company safe, keep their company data in as well, uh, much faster. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons we approach things at the network level, not the PC level. Okay. So getting back to antivirus, there's, um, there's Kaspersky. There's a whole myriad of them. Um, right now, uh, the product of favor for us is AVG Business Edition. Uh, they've got a couple other projects for the uh, server side to do an extra monitoring there. Uh, what do you think of Trend? Trends, trends, okay. It's one of the players, mm -hmm. but you don't want, um, and, and this is specific to antivirus. Um, you don't want to put more than one antivirus on a machine. It'll just, they're both looking at this for the same thing and they interfere with each other. That's just a side note. You can put Word and Excel, all these word processing programs on it. They're not going to interfere with each other, but two, more than one antivirus is bad on the same machine. Mm -hmm. Now, having to do with antivirus and the management console, and, uh, oh, how does that go? Uh, if we want to protect the machine using Microsoft's Defender oh. and an antivirus program is a mistake? Well, I've not seen really Microsoft Microsoft security product work in a lot of areas other than irritating us IT people who are trying to do things the best way and best practices, best really? practice way. So I, I forgot what the other, where I was going with the other <laughs> point a minute ago. It happens. Well, either, either someone will call in and ask a continuing question or we'll just go on and forget it. Uh, in, in your world, uh, just a marketing question, where does your new bit, the bulk of your new business come from? Or how uh, do you get it? A lot of times it's word of mouth. Mm -hmm. um, I do some um, networking groups, um, et cetera, to build relationships because the uh, one of the things about network security is I get to go into a client or any one of the team gets to go into a client and I can actually see all of the accounting records if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. I don't care what's there. 
I want to protect it so that you're protected, like an attorney would protect you in a court of law. So that means by definition, if I'm keeping the, uh, you know, the receptionist up for out front mm-hmm. from getting to the accounting software and see what everybody's bonuses were last Christmas, I can, I can see the information because I set the security up. Right. So by definition, myself and my company needs to be more, more trustworthy, more reliable than your own people. Uh-huh. Once some people grasp that, they're like, oh, yeah, you're right. You could, you know, look at everything and send it all out. So do you so sign do any of that. non-disclosure agreements uh, with yeah. each of your employees for the uh, companies? Yes. And, you know, we have a non-disclosure agreement with a lot of, uh, you know, all of our clients. Mm-hmm. If they come on, they get a, a non-disclosure agreement, a confidentiality non-disclosure. It's like we're going to be more trustworthy than your own people. Good. Uh, we're going to take a, a short commercial break here. Again, you can ask Mike a question at 646 646- Five nine five four nine one six. When we come back, Mike, we'll be talking about the crypto locker virus. Oh, fun. Fun. We're going to listen to a couple of Sandler commercials. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. Many salespeople tell us business was really easy. They likened it to gathering fruit in an orchard full of ripe trees. They gathered the low-hanging fruit. They had to get baskets to pick up the fruit that was already fallen. They never had to climb a tree. They worked this way for 10 or 15 years. Given the strong economy, this was no problem. What are you hearing now? The economy has slowed down. Salespeople are competing on price. There's still business now, but salespeople have to work harder. The fruit has not fallen from the tree, and there's no low-hanging fruit. The fruit is there, but it's higher up in the tree. The problem is their salespeople have forgotten how to climb. Do your salespeople know how to climb? If you or your team needs to learn how to climb through and up out of tough economic times, call me, Mike Roth, 513-646-6523, or check our website at rothconsulting.net. When you hear about a typical sales training program, does it usually involve a one- or two-day seminar where some alleged guru passes down what he claims are the secrets to making sales? At Roth & Associates, I'm the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. We recognize that truisms and motivating speeches aren't enough to arm sales teams with the tools they need for success. Sales is a hard business. Typical sales training can only provide typical and disappointing results. At Roth & Associates, we use the Sandler methodology of continual reinforcement and ongoing training seminars along with individual coaching to ensure victory in the world of sales. We've been doing it here in Cincinnati for over 15 years. You won't fail because I won't let you. Roth and Associates, 513-646-6523, 513-646-6523, on the web at rothconsulting.net, finding power in reinforcement. Okay, this is Mike Roth and Mike Roman. Mike, we were supposed to talk about the crypto locker virus. Have you had much experience with this or, and your clients had experience with this? Uh, actually, one of my consultant friends had called me about it. I'd read a little bit about it. One of my consultant friends asked me uh, if I'd fixed or cleaned it up yet. I'm like, no, but I've been reading about it, and none of my clients ended up getting it, mm-hmm. which was all cool. Well, I mean, yeah, you're putting in firewalls. I'm putting in firewalls, doing security work, keeping the bad stuff out, right, and... Uh, it's not just the technology either. There's a, a certain amount of user training. A lot of our clients have the EXEs and zip files, so they cannot get through the firewall. 
Um, Outlook will block some of them automatically for you, et cetera, et cetera. There's things that are... So CryptoLocker is getting in via an EXE file as an attachment or a ZIP file as an attachment. Yes, but uh, there are new variants of that that came out oh, December, January timeframe mm-hmm. that are traveling through um, external drives. If it gets on a machine, it tries to infect and spread itself to every sh- uh, drive letter that is attached to that machine. Mm. So it could get onto your flash drive, oh, okay. and then you take it somewhere else and you bypass the firewall in that case. Yeah, or it could go to your network drive, which is connected via a drive letter. Right. In most cases. Not all cases, but in most cases. Mm. So it, it's just one of those... It, we'd seen viruses. They did this. They did that. This is usually their method of um, transmission. Why don't you tell the, the audience exactly what the crypto locker virus does? The CryptoLocker virus, when it gets onto your machine and is activated, it will encrypt with like a, some 256 uh, encryption key, a cipher key. And then every file on your machine or every file it can get access to, it will encrypt it and then send the decryption key off to their server wherever on the planet. I'll say Galaxy sometime mm-hmm. in the future when we you know start going there. Anyway, so, and then you get a screen up on your you know, something comes up on your screen and says, oh, by the way, uh, you need to pay us you know, $800 or something, and we will then decrypt your files for you. So it's a hostage type of program. And when it first came out, it was like the Code Red and a couple others. You know, you have a lot of little viruses that are out there, and then one will jump up and raise the bar. Mm-hmm. This is one that was so much more sophisticated than, than ones we'd seen in several years. Mm-hmm. But there's the Melissa virus, if you remember something about that, you know, say 10 years ago. And there's Code Red, I'm thinking. Um, so have the authorities uh, tracked down the writers of this uh, crypto locker via where they're sending the money? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I haven't really been worried about that. Is of there all the things I've found, I've, you know, prevention is best. Is there any uh, other type of file that crypto locker... Tra- it travels in? Is it uh, some of these links to PHP pages on the web? Uh, I don't think they go through PHP, but there's always, always new viruses coming out. And mm-hmm. that's what I spend my nights doing is, is reading up on this, reading up on that, trying to stay ahead of the curve, which is impossible for everybody. Sure. Uh, how dangerous are, are links to PHP web pages? Well, anytime there, somebody, someone is sending you a and trying to get you to go a specific place on the Internet, mm-hmm. that's going to be bad unless you know what, why, and how. Um, one of the things I see a lot of, and I'm always telling users not to do, is you know, you get all these emails from FedEx and UPS. It says they're from FedEx and UPS, but right. not. They may even carry a FedEx or a UPS or United States Post Office logo. Right, exactly. I mean, they, they've made the virus writers and malware writers and spyware writers, they've, they've gotten very sophisticated, and it looks real. Mm-hmm. You just I got to, one from American Express the other day. It looked real. Yeah, I mean, they all look real. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Um, when And the Internet and the firewalls of today can monitor, oh, let's see, all these firewalls across the country or across the world all are getting emails from one place, and they all look like this, you know, not just you getting it. All these firewalls are talking to one another at the vendor manufacturer's area, and they can get what's called a reputation. So then if it's being sent from an IP address, say, in South America, mm-hmm. why is everyone across the planet, and there's like 8 billion emails sent out, 
that all say, you know, log into your FedEx account to fix a problem or here's your invoice, latest invoice, you know. Yeah, I, I've, I've been getting one lately from uh, suggesting that I need to re-log into my Fuse.net account from Cincinnati Bell and give them my username and password. Don't do it. Of course I didn't do it. <laughs> uh, but by, by the time I got it the third and the fourth time, uh, what I'm thinking is there must be some people that are gullible enough to go ahead and do it. Oh, yeah. I mean, from what I know of your background, Mike, you you know a lot more than the average IT person, but you have to deal with the end users. You have to deal with the you know the people in the middle, and then you have to also deal with people at the high end. Mm-hmm. I have to keep the people on the top of the food chain out, you know, up top of the bad you know bad viruses or bad emails food chain out, mm-hmm. while allowing the users to actually get their work done. Right. Because the computers and networks, it's it's a tool. It's not a toy. It's a tool. Mm-hmm. And it has to be smooth. It has to be protected. You have to keep that customer list from going out to that salesman who quit last week. And mm-hmm. I get calls from clients all the time. It's like, I'm going to let this person go next Friday. Can you do a security sweep and make sure none of the data? So I'll go through and deactivate his phone at the right time and, you know, make sure his laptop is backed up and then, you know, extract any data that may be on it. But someone who is uh, contemplating leaving uh, could, in fact, load all of their Client data on a flash drive. They could, yes. Take it out in their pocket. Mm-hmm. And that's where the data loss prevention, uh, which is one of the newer pieces of the puzzle, is monitoring what is being copied. And that gets into monitoring. You know, uh, two people in a company, you're not going to need the monitoring to be able to see what's going on. Most people just want this stuff to work. Mm-hmm. But it's got to be done right. I can't tell you how many times I've gone in and cleaned up after... I'll say other vendors in this case, or an IT person who did not graduate with an A in networking. Mm. A lot of times they'll get it to work but not do it right, and those are way two different things. Yeah, we had that here from a a certain vendor in Kentucky at one point. (laughs) Yes, it worked, (laughs) but it wasn't right. Uh, So I I think uh, brain power is one of those things that you have to have from your IT vendor. Otherwise, things fall apart. Uh, that, That and resourcefulness. Mm-hmm. and looking at the big picture, not just saying, you know, I'm going to go fix this PC today, get it to work. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, how does that affect this software? How does that affect that software? Did you make a change that that is contradictory to what the network is trying to do as a whole? Mm-hmm. And all those are questions that come up. Is this going to cost the client too much money? Do you have an image of the machine that you can go back to from last month? Is your data secure so when the postal worker comes in and shoots this machine, can they walk down to the hall to the next one because that person's on vacation, log in as them on, you know, somebody else's machine and continue to work? Mm, that's a serious problem. I'm just giving you real-life examples. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're going to take a, another short commercial break here. We're going to listen to Santa the Rule number 19. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the crypto locker and some of the prevention measures that uh, company owners and IT directors might want to take. Let's listen to Sandler Rule number 19. Hi, I'm George Donovan with Sandler Training. I'm here to talk to you about rule number 19, never help the prospect end the interview. We've all been on sales calls where it's been uncomfortable and the prospect's acting uninterested or 
maybe even a little bit hostile. Your inclination is to close your portfolio, get up and walk out, but don't. This rule calls for you to hang in there. Ask the question that gets the issue on the table. Chances are it's not you. Maybe it's your company's past performance that's the problem. Or perhaps another company that sells similar products or services. Or maybe it's another salesperson that has nothing to do with you or your company. But you'll never know unless you ask. So it sounds something like this. Let's suppose your prospect's name was Bill. You'd say, Bill, you seem a little bit skeptical. Is there something that I've said or done that's made you feel this way? And if it is, could we talk about it? Or maybe you say, Bill, I sense that there's a problem. Would it be okay if we talked about that for a minute? So the important part is that you ask. It takes the pressure off of you, and it helps the prospect work through the issue so you can get by it and get back to the interview. So the next time you're in an uncomfortable sales call, don't bail. Hang in there and remember rule number 19. Never help the prospect end the interview. This is Mike Roth and Mike Ruhlman. Uh, before we get started again, Mike, uh, I did want to uh, tell people that uh, at Sandler Training, we've announced something brand new uh, this week. Uh, in addition to the three brand new books, uh, Lead When You Dance, 14 uh, Success Secrets, uh, and then we have Prospecting the Sandler Way, and then we have the uh, Leading the Transforming Leadership, uh, the San Luis by Dave Arch. Uh, I'm actually bringing Dave Arch to uh, this area in Columbus, Ohio, and on July 17th, and he's going to run two three-hour programs for managers uh, to become better leaders. In addition to all of that, just today, uh, Sandler has announced that our new enterprise selling system is going to be released in June. It's a new 12-step system with 20 tools to make the application for the uh, sales team and the sales management team better. Uh, it was previewed at the Sandler Client su Summit in Orlando last month, and it will be released to the field uh, through a new division of Sandler in June. Uh, now, let's get back to viruses. Uh, th this crypto locker thing, how is it distributed? And why are people clicking on it? Well, one of the things that a lot of viruses use uh, is the, the data on us on a computer already to use that information to send it to its next victim. Um, you get an email from, you know, say you got an email from me. Mm -hmm. Well, I know you, so I, it must be safe. Oh, of course not. Well, Your email address is in my address book. Okay. Now, me being an IT guy, I know that I've got mine all secured, and I'm not going to be sending out spam or, you know, transmitting viruses. But the casual user who's usually just trying to get their work done right, will see a file called, like, invoice.pdf.exe. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, that's just a PDF file of this invoice because I was dealing with FedEx two hours ago. And they'll just really quickly click on it and open it and activate it. And that's what will install the and crypto. At, not just that. There are other methodologies for its transmittal. I don't have them all memorized. Um, but that's one of the most common methodologies. And a perfect network has no users, but users have to use the tools business. Right. And computers have 
in networks have worked their way up into one of the major tools of business. So a lot of times, the, the person, end user is just trying to get their work done. Oh, sure. You know, Bill Gates' old goal for Microsoft was to get a computer on everyone's desk in 1980. And now... And uh, then they changed their big, hairy, audacious goal. Uh, I think it's a Vern Harnish comment. Yes. <laughs> but, the, but the point is, uh, in our company and many other companies, we have more computers at work than we have human beings. Yes. Sometimes by more than three to one. Yes. And the computers don't usually ask for much overtime. No, they don't. But uh, they do have to be running all the time. Right. You want to be able to recover in case there's a problem. Uh, say, lightning struck the building. You know, true story. A couple clients over the years. Lightning strikes the building. Blows out 27 network cards, as an example, because mm-hmm. it went through the network wiring. Or it blew out power supplies. You know, the companies have to be able to use the tools continuously. Sure. And so you have to put UPSs in certain places. No, that's uh, why this radio show is backed up with two locally recorded, via battery, independent digital microphones. Regardless of what happens with the Internet, if the computers fry, if we lose electrical power in the building, we still do the show. may have to be reassembled later, but and that all that stuff has happened here. Right. I remember doing work out on one of the casinos, and there was a window of an hour every morning. It was like from 4 to 5 a.m. that they actually were allowed to run the backup software. So you had to back up all the different systems at the casino mm-hmm. in an hour. In just one hour. Yeah, and that was over 10 years ago. Well, well now the horseshoe runs 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They well, have, all the casinos run 24-7. You know, they're, they're, you know, it's not like the old days where you had gaming sessions out on uh, – in the in the Anna River boats, and a session was two hours or three hours long. Right. And at the end of the session, there was a clean out before the next session started. Yeah. But Crypto Locker, it's um, it, it, it raised the bar on the sophistication of viruses and the transmittal and what it's doing. Uh, now, Mike, I'm going to ask a, a, a what I think is a great question. I'll be the judge of that. Okay. <laughs> you judge everything. Uh, so. For most either IT directors, IT managers, or CEOs looking to hire an outside IT company, what are the criteria that they should use to figure out how to hire a IT company? Well, one of the things we're really good at is being an extra brain for, and a lot of companies, you know, the mid-sized companies, and you know, some on the smaller side have one person that does all their IT. Mm-hmm. They can't possibly know it all. I don't know it all, but I know where to get the information mm-hmm. that I need to solve whatever problem. So what do companies need? They need a company that's had longevity. They need a company that is not going to take advantage of them. Because one of the problems I run into, well, it's not that I run into the problem. I'm just aware of the problem. In my industry, I could throw buzzwords at you all day long, and you wouldn't know if I really know what I'm talking about or not. But you know the buzzwords and I don't. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not necessarily, you know, I don't, I'm not going to snow you, but you want a company that's been around a long time. You want a company with a good reputation. Mm-hmm. You want one that is not going to, and this is part of how we're structured. We're not going to send out whoever's free to go do your network. We're going to have one person who is the point of contact, who has in their brain what, what the master plan for the network is. And any work done, is going to be along that master plan. Mm-hmm. So you want to have a relationship with a company and you know find the company that is doing things that are in line with what the management or the owners want for that company. Mm-hmm. So 
that's where we try to focus our relationship with is the, I'm you know, saying the higher ops, yeah, start at the top. You know, everybody's doing that. Do you actually create master plans for company for the IT side of their business? Well, yeah, we put together disaster recovery plans um, as well as uh, acceptable use policies, which get worked into the you know, human resources in companies, as well as, um, oh, what else? I mean, there's so many things we do. You know, there's only, what, eight, ten minutes left or something. We could go all day long. Are, are, there, are there a minimum set of certifications that you believe a IT company should have? Minimum certifications? It's really how talented are the people and are they going to be there for a while? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, well, you're, you, know, you drive Mercedes and mm-hmm. you have a, your favorite shop, right? And there's probably a mechanic or two that have worked on your car. I used to have a favorite shop. All right. And I changed. And yeah. uh, I, I believe that the the folks at the new shop are giving me better service, more attentive service uh, than I was getting at the old shop. And uh, I really appreciate the, the new guys. We're gonna, we're, I'll add on to that is I really attempt with the, the company I'm part owner of to not treat my clients like numbers. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like your new Mercedes um, dealership or whoever's working on your car is treating you like a person and a oh, customer, not a number. I, I pull into the service drive, and the kid who uh, measures the air pressure and takes the mileage on the car, he recognizes me by face, and he knows my name. Uh, and and the, the service mechanics uh, know me by name. And uh, So you've done exactly what, or you've noticed and have the realization of exactly what I'm talking about, the type of relationship. That, the better relationship, uh, and that that's critically important. But more important is the competence uh, behind it. Um, I'm one of these guys who don't like to have uh, people have to work on the same problem two or three times, which was probably the the average. Uh, oh, we don't have the parts. We got to order the parts from the warehouse. Then it takes two sh- two more shots to get it right. Yeah, you run into that in a lot of service industries. Um, I mean, not probably all of them. But, you know, my, my wife's, I'll give you an example, and I know we're off subject, but. Uh, we're talking about business philosophy yeah, and it, how to find your next I, I vendor or new vendor, my wife and it's all relative. Yeah, my wife complained about relevant, a, a, a little clunk in her car in the rear end when she went over a curb, especially when driving home on our own driveway. And uh, so a few Saturdays ago, I, we, we, I had a little bit of time, so I drove my her car over to the dealership, this new dealership, and uh, they had a lead mechanic available, and he said, let's go for a ride, and we rode through a quiet cemetery. Uh, we heard the clunk, and he said, Mr. Roth, you have a broken spring. I said, a broken spring? In a Mercedes, these springs don't break. He says, you have a broken spring. And so we, t- we drove back to the shop. He takes off the rear wheel, uh, puts a big light in there, and he shows me, sure enough, we got a broken spring. I've had a similar experience with and, my shop. I mean, and, I told him on the phone the symptoms that I noticed, mm-hmm. and he told me exactly what was wrong. And when I got over the car over there a couple of days later, it was right on. <laughs> well, it, so this is, a, you know, Saturday morning, maybe 10, 11 o'clock. He checks the parts department. They have the parts in stock. And they put me into a loaner car immediately. I didn't have to wait for two weeks for an appointment for a loaner car. And uh, I drove home. About 4 o'clock in the afternoon, he calls me and says, Oh, Mr. Roth, we have another problem. On the front end of the car, the uh, 
the rubber seals around the four-wheel uh, dry system are broken, leaking all the grease out. Probably a good idea to change those, too. So I said, sure, but you don't have the parts. He says, of course we have the parts. <laughs> Keep the loaner car, come back on Monday. So uh, it was a, uh, a really good experience uh, that I got with these guys that I, I didn't necessarily have with the other guys. In, in choosing an IT vendor, or for that matter, choosing a sales training organization in our world, uh, I'd say that if you're talking to a Sandler trainer and they're not certified themselves as a Sandler trainer, uh, you ought to forget talking to them because any trainer worth his salt or her salt should be certified. And B, uh, if they don't have experience on both sides of the table as both a client and a trainer, then they're missing a lot of perspective. Uh, and I've heard really strange stories about uh, not hiring someone because they didn't like the way they looked. And, and that's whether they like the way they, yeah, that someone looks or not, it doesn't make any difference whether uh, you're Asian Indian or you're American. Or what you're, happens when you're the IT director and, true story, you're in Chicago and uh, your network is down in the main office in Cincinnati. You call your vendor. Your me trusted vendor. I drove to my house. I had the same firewall at my house of all places. Mm -hmm. I went there quickly, got it, drove back, got the client up by the time he was at Purdue on his way back. Wow. That, that's a great story. That's, those are the fun times. That, that's, I think, a quintessential difference. You have to get a vendor who can stand up and deal with difficult situations. Uh, and there will be difficult situations. Uh, have you ever uh, been called in to replace uh, an IT shop where people have resigned unexpectedly? Yeah, uh, had to break a lot of passwords and uh, get the network up again, and as well as keep the bad situation and the, the previous IT people or vendor out. And I mm. have, you have to go through and find all their holes they left so they could get in. Right. I've right. done that many times. It's not a fun thing to do. Yeah, we, many years ago we had a problem like that with a. And that gets back to the integrity. Yeah. There was a disgruntled ex-employee who was the IT director who left a lot of holes. Uh, cost a lot of money to fix them, too. Uh, Mike, I want to thank you again for uh, being a guest on the show and remind people how they can get a hold of you uh, after the show is over. Yeah. Uh, you can email me at mike at m2rtech.com. Uh, call the office line at 513 239 8100, um, or go to the web at www.m2rtech.com. Good. I'm going to be giving you a copy of one of the new books, Prospect the Sandler Way, uh, by uh, John Rosso. This is a 30-day program for mastering stress-free lead development. I wrote the uh, foreword on the book, and uh, it's, it's not like a regular uh, novel where you can read a chapter for chapter. At the end of every chapter, there's a little bit of homework that you should do to get the maximum benefit out of the very next chapter. So it's it's really a 30-day so program. homework with my children. I'll have my own homework. You'll have your own homework. <laughs> and it won't be that new curriculum stuff that they, they threw out in Indiana. Oh, the new math and then the newer, newer math? Yeah, the newer, newer math. What do they call that? Common, common core? There's no common core in that. Awesome. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it very much. Good. Thanks again for uh, being on the show. Thanks for having me. Scott, take it away. Thanks for listening. This program is the property of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, Inc. The show may be distributed only with written permission and then only in its entirety. If you have any questions or comments, contact Mike at mikeroth at rothconsulting.net 
or call Mike at 513-753-9400.